Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. the bar come on and pull up a seat and open up your bible what a wonderful feast the living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet this is where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news in light of the scripture we are here to serve you we're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it and this is for the truth lovers biblically performing preaching christ to the nations yeah welcome to the of reformation yeah the bar biblical and reformed welcome everybody to the bar it's your boy Dwayne in the building right back in here another tuesday and this is your favorite segment i know you guys enjoy the big names and all that but i get the most response when i do the local pastor spotlight and this local pastor spotlight like most of them is very special uh this guy is actually in my area again right back in greenville i'm not biased though uh those that maybe listen i would definitely interview your pastor uh don't don't email me hate mail for that but uh there are some uh, great guys in Greenville that I definitely wanted to highlight. And I also want to tell Phil to uh, stop inboxing me because I finally got your pastor on. So leave me alone. But anyway, <laughs> I like to introduce uh, Pastor Todd. How are you, sir? I'm good. So this is Phil's fault. I got it. I know who to talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, Phil, I had Phil, pastor in Michigan on. And then, you know, he was like, well, I need my. My pastor in Greenville on. I was like, okay, man. Okay, leave me alone. But nah, <laughs> just, just joking. I love Phil, man. He he's actually been on the show as well. Uh and, and Todd, uh, you as pastor, he has nothing but great things to say about you. Uh that's what I'll say on air. I'll tell you the real stuff when we hang up the phone. But uh anyway. Probably smart. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So I'm gonna give you the floor right here, Todd, man, to uh introduce yourself to my to my folks, you know, tell whatever background, uh, personal, professional, I'll leave that all up to you. You can do that right here. Yeah. So um, I'll start with this. We we made an announcement at the uh, sort of just a last week about where we have been. And uh, this is we're wrapping up our third year as a church plant. And we are at the exact average of church attendance in terms of our church around uh, 75 adults on a weekly Sunday. So I'll start with that. I am an average pastor. <laughs> That's all of that I am. Nice. Just a normal, nothing, nothing too flashy. Uh, 
I don't have my own line of designer jeans, although, you know, if somebody wants to help me with that, I'll wear them. <laughs> Just kidding. I probably won't. Probably won't. Um, let's see. Background. Born and raised in the South, actually from Georgia. My dad uh, was my pastor for, man, the first 25 years of my life. Uh, didn't really have a choice in the matter, but that was the reality. Uh, and he's still a pastor. He's pastoring down in Augusta, Georgia. and. Uh, I would very much say that his experience in ministry uh, sort of uh, became uh, an open door for me to consider that calling. I think Dad brought his home, uh, his work home, in a, a good way, uh, with a fairly healthy balance of uh, sort of understanding uh, the church and the culture, uh, and not going too far off a deep end like. Uh, you know, we were we were in a world where, you know, like uh, a while back, there was a boycott against Disney, and that mm-hmm. was sort of going on. And my dad came home, and he was like, "We're not boycotting Disney. We're going to Disney." So, um, <laughs> my dad kind of <laughs> kind of gave me a good perspective of understanding that uh, sometimes uh, the the movement of evangelicalism, as would be even to this day, right. The climate of uh, the broader picture of evangelicalism doesn't necessarily represent uh, local church, local culture. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's a a proper understanding of theology that's being worked out uh, in the ecclesiology of the local church. And that's where I got my start. I ended up uh, my senior year of high school uh, just sort of slowly moving into being involved in ministry. And, and that looked like uh, mostly just teaching peers, maybe like a you know, Wednesday night Bible study stuff or maybe a Sunday school mm-hmm. class. And as I kind of just sort of eased into that, I felt more and more a sense of calling to be involved in it. And um, making longer stories shorter, I, I ended up coming on staff at my dad's church with a, another partner. Uh, who, who's a guy my age, and uh, we're both seniors uh, together. We graduated, ended up coming on staff together. And, um, yeah, we just started ministry there. And I, I, I made a lot of mistakes, theologically speaking, <laughs> ethos speaking, <laughs> in this little uh, uh, sort of like a guarded environment that I would call youth ministry, which it's sort Mm -hmm. of an interesting place to sort of like get your start and figure things out. But in that journey, one of the things that I I found to be just it felt right was this uh, desire to preach the gospel. And in in my context, which would have been more uh, just the Southern Baptist culture, that experience was referred to as evangelical or evangelistic style teaching. I hadn't really heard of, Mm. you know, gospel centered stuff yet. So I just thought, well, I guess, I guess I'm sort of inclined to be like an evangelist, which as I started growing up, I got, got married. Uh, God blessed us with kids before we were really prepared for that blessing, but we took it. That's (laughs) what you do. Uh, And, you know, I was just a young guy figuring it out, but at some point I realized, you know what, I don't, I don't foresee myself being the 40, 50 year old youth guy. Uh, so what am I going to do with myself? And just the idea of, you know, putting my resume out there and becoming a pastor, it just did not resonate with me. I didn't want to do that. Uh, I was taking some seminary classes online, which 
if I could plug an idea, if anyone out there is listening, uh, it, it, it took me 10 years on purpose to graduate from seminary because I didn't want to get out of the game of the local church. And I mm. found myself receiving just as much of an open door to ministry opportunity just by claiming that I was taking seminary classes as I did when mm. I completed and graduated. I didn't really, not much happened after I graduated. It was just sort of like, okay, well, that's done. So I, I was just <laughs> taking classes online, and I was trying to explore and ask the question, you know, what what has God got for me? What's he calling me to do? And uh, during that season, I was thinking about things like being a missionary in North America, and there were these all these conversations mm-hmm. about postmodern thought and uh, just uh, the experience of the culture and how do you address that for all these uh, people my age and younger And then somewhere in that mix, in addition to sort of like, I think I want to be a missionary in in North America. How do I I approach that subject? How do I get in the door on that idea? Who who does that? Um, Somewhere in that mix began a conversation among the books I was reading about church planning and Mm. about sort of like matching up with not only this – I guess just I guess God gave it to me this idea that I just need to keep proclaiming the gospel and letting that do the work because it's the best message right. I can give. Um, it, there were other things that lined up with with me enjoying starting things and helping to lay the foundation, sort of like uh, so that they'll work, sort of uh, all the administrative work and the systems and structures. I really enjoy that process of starting it up. So hmm. all of a sudden I start really diving into exploring this idea of what it looks like to be a church planner. And then uh, along came a recommendation from another friend of mine who had gone ahead of me a couple of years and planted a church. And he said, look, I found uh, this group of folks uh, that are planting churches and they're doing a really good job and you should connect with them. And that was uh, Acts 29. And uh, I started having conversations with them and they started really helping me, coaching me, developing me. Uh, I ended up moving my family uh, away from uh, our hometown and my uh, off staff with my dad's church to come on staff with a church planting church in the Raleigh-Durham area and just got mm-hmm. got about five years of development on that end and was really just enjoying that season of life. Uh, we I, I found out that there was a whole tribe of people out there that they weren't calling it evangelical preaching. They were calling it gospel-centered preaching. And I was like, man, these are my <laughs> right. people. And I, I really enjoy this right. focus on Jesus. And I want that to be the truth. And uh, it is the truth. And so mm-hmm. um, that eventually God spoke and, I mean, just really disrupted what I believe was sort of a little level of uh, contentment. And maybe that was intentional that God would bring me to that place to say, okay, now that you're comfortable, I'm going to be calling you out. Uh, to do what I've equipped you to do, and that's plant a church. And so to really give some detail on what we were thinking, we were like, well, man, let's let's really go somewhere tough, you know, somewhere that's unreached, mm-hmm. that sounded like the sexy thing to do. So right. we, we sort of asked around, and we started investigating South Chicago, which is just not a very hospitable place <laughs> overall. And uh, – we felt to some degree, my wife and I, that that we could we would make that work. And we felt that there was something there that we could pursue. 
Uh, but one of the benefits uh, with Acts 29 was, uh, you know, just following Scripture that says plans fail for lack of counsel, right? And so mm-hmm. their right. encouragement was to, you know, have discussions with people who lived in South Chicago, who knew what Midwest culture was like and who uh, could sort of speak to the experience of just day-to-day life and what it looks like to build relationships and uh, how people are responding to the gospel, all those kind of things. So when we followed that up, it was an uncanny experience to have every single person who would speak into our lives to tell us at the end of the the day, you know, we really just don't think this is a good fit for your family. We don't think you mm. need to be here. And that mm-hmm. was really hard because, you know, here we are saying like, here I am, Lord, send me. We feel good about it. Right. And then we're we're being told, no, that's not where you need to be. And so we kind of went back to drawing board and just sort of made some assessment and conversation. Just, I mean, it's kind of obvious to point out, hey man, you've, you've been born and raised in the South. The South is a um, church saturated and Christ haunted culture. Mm-hmm. And you know what that feels like and you know how to operate in that context and you probably need to take aim here. And so we revisited the idea of uh, planting a church in uh, a strategic city in the southeast, and we just got out the map and started eliminating places we knew we didn't really want to live. We didn't feel called to the big mm-hmm. big city of Atlanta. We didn't really want to do Charlotte. I didn't want to be on the coast. So we were looking at these mid-sized cities, and um, as we were making phone calls and trying to discuss things with other church planters already planting churches in areas, Greenville was one of the first where we really got a strong affirmation and an open door. Mm-hmm. And man, the moment we sort of committed ourselves in prayer uh, to to be in Greenville, just God blew open the floodgates for provision. Our house sold the day we put it on the market for our asking price. Wow which was a little bit high, but praise God, we, we kept that help. Wow. Uh, we, <laughs> we got our funding lined up within like two or three months. Uh, and then uh, we just started We just started laying the foundation for doing what we had been trained, or I, I felt like I'd been trained for the past year or five years to do, and uh, gathering this core group of people and really just teaching them the gospel. Re, uh, sort of like an experience to me, in Southern culture, like to do a good job, uh, even if it's been done before, it's always mm-hmm. beneficial to do a little deconstruction of the theology and then a reconstruction of the theology of the South. Right. Uh, because inevitably we, I don't know if it's just human nature or laziness or just, you know, a common blanket deception the spiritually in the <laughs> South, but uh, we get caught up embracing uh, a really like a uh, an understanding of God's love on the basis of transaction or merit right. and achievement, mm-hmm. and that that just slips in so subtly that we I guess we miss it, and then we get we get used to patting each other on the back for uh, you know praising works rather than Christ works. Uh, right. That all of a sudden it becomes part of the ethos and culture. So, 
we worked hard to kind of press and we, we still kind of lean in that direction to press and encourage people to understand that really the business that we're in is a business of neediness uh, and then being recipients of the generous gift of Christ. Uh, and that that's really been our 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 main communication across the board week after week, be it on Sunday, in our groups, and even in our songs is to declare the gospel that at the end of the day, uh, we lack what it takes. Uh, we fall short. We're in great need, every single one of us. There, there are only needy people. There are only sinful people. There are only broken people. There are only weak people. And the, the answer to that whole dilemma is not for us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, uh, mm-hmm. to, to do more and try harder than others. Uh, if I could pick on a book title, uh, to be radical, uh, <laughs> we, we can't, we can't pull that off. I'm all in favor when God does that in and through us, but the, the radical work of the cross, which is accomplished by Jesus, not us, is the good news right. of the gospel that delivers exactly. us out of a bondage of believing that it's, it's up to me to pull off a good podcast or pre- preach a good sermon or to be a good parent or on and on and on. It's up to me to live out this life that looks like Jesus. Uh, I got a problem with the phrase that the only Jesus people will see is you. Uh, if that's, <laughs> if that's true, man, the world's in trouble. Uh, I hope, believe it. Yeah. I hope that what, what they can see is me pointing, you know, that I'm pointing in the direction mm-hmm. of Jesus and saying like, don't look at me. Uh, I'm one of the ones that need help. Let's all look together at Jesus who provides us uh, with all the forgiveness, all the grace, all the mercy, all the love that we really need. So that's been uh, sort of like a a DNA piece that I pray and hope continues for our church uh, that got planted. We launched in 2015. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we've not been around that long, but, but God's been faithful and I pray we've been faithful, even though I know we haven't in all things, you know, we're, we're still in need. Right. We're still in need of his grace. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Was yeah. uh, the church in Raleigh, was that a Mago day? No, but I know, I know those guys, uh, the church in Raleigh okay. that sent us out is called vintage church. It used to be called vintage 21 church. And I if remember, you really want to have some yeah. fun, you, if you Google Jesus, videos vintage 21 you will see some fantastic content it's hilarious okay just nice just go and do that later and you'll you can thank me later. <laughs> awesome awesome yeah I, I've, I've seen vintage uh, uh and i know imago day does a lot of training and releasing uh for for mm-hmm. plants so that's why i was i was wondering that i had tony on the show um yeah. and i know he's x29 so that's all mm-hmm. all all of that but made me think that it was uh, a Mago day. So good deal. Hey, so um, <clears throat> your, uh, your intro actually covered uh, a myriad of things that I kind of like to ask uh, as far as, you know, just like, um, you know, your, your goal and your vision and things like that. You kind of went into that some. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess for a, a quick question, I guess, is uh, in the Greenville area, um, which, you know, I've been here nine years. What are some of the things that you notice uh, culturally that that was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really 
you know, something I'm going to have to work on or, or guys going to have to do a work. What are some of the things culturally that you noticed that were challenging uh, as opposed to what you saw in, you know, maybe North Carolina or uh, any other place that you've been? Well, I, I'll put it this way. I, I really feel like that churches throughout the Southeast, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, this whole, this whole neighborhood, you're going to find all kinds of churches, but I think there is going to be a common uh, brokenness across the board, even in the context of the church. And I'll, I'll tell this story to illustrate the point. Um, one of the things that us pastors uh, do some of us, uh, and you know, the, we're all trying to figure out what the real purpose of these things are. But we'll get together every now and then to have lunch and stuff. It'll be these pastors' mm-hmm. lunches, uh, and I, I'm not dogging them. I, actually, I'm a, I'm going to be starting one of my own uh, next year. So I want I I know there's a value there, but sometimes we we just get so busy in our own little world that attending things like that can be, you start saying, right. why am I here again? Anyway, uh, we were having <laughs> one of those lunches and uh, there was about 30 pastors in the room and uh, there was an opportunity to just sort of like ask a question. And I had one that I've been thinking about because of my journey to, to sort of really recognize and to be a good sociologist of the South, to understand what's going on and to, to really to, to ask the question, what's going on in the church that causes uh, our culture to act the way it does, particularly what we would think of as sort of a churchy culture or a religious culture, because that's totally Greensville, right? We've got churches everywhere. Right, everybody right. meets a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody yep. is not a Christian. That's sort of like our environment. So yep. uh, we had about 30 pastors in the room, and I was given the opportunity to ask a question. So I stood up and I said, hey, guys, I really I, this is a question that I'm, I'm really curious about, and I'm hopeful that you maybe can help me out because I'm trying to expand my resources on helping people to know what it means that God loves them. So can you tell me of a book that you know of? where the entire book is devoted to this idea of God's love and helping us to understand how God loves us, why God loves us, what it looks like and feels like to be loved by God. I'm not talking about a chapter in the book. I want the whole book to just focus on that Mm -hmm. idea. Do you guys have any resource on that? And out of the 30 people in the room, which are mostly either the lead pastor or, you know, the associate pastor, Mm -hmm. none of them could offer a book. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, Dwayne, do you, do you know one? Do you know of a book that, that focuses on and showcases, cultivates and enriches your understanding of God's love? That's the purpose of the book. And that's what it helps you do. Uh, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really good answer. One of those pastors could have answered that. Anyway, here's the beef with that and sort of like the angle that I feel like is missing in the South or one of the challenges that church culture incidentally creates. And I'm probably going to offend at least 50% of the the churches in the South with this statement, okay? Um, Most churches have a tagline, a mission statement that more or less says, our purpose is to love God and love others. And before I throw that mm. phrase under the bus, 
I can't deny that there is something valid about such a statement. So I'm not holistically saying that that's not an important practice. But what happens when we put that focus on our people and tell them, your job is to love God and love others, all that they're really getting is a message of law keeping. All that they're getting in terms of their mission is follow these rules. The, the problem with us as human beings is that we don't love God and we don't love people. And right. we really lack the skill or the motivation or the fuel to pull that off well. And so now if that's the case, and it is to me the case of the religious South, that we're, we're cracking the whip and, and you know cheerleading this idea that we need to love God and love others, love God and love others, but we're not equipping our people to know how they are deeply, fully loved by God. If we're not showing them how they are loved by God, then they're not going to know how to love others or how to return right. that love to God. So this just takes us back to Scripture where uh, John says, what, where do we, how do we know what it means to love God? Well, we love him because he first loved us. So as mm-hmm. we, if we, if we are better at describing God's love for us, when we, when we make that our primary message, listen to how much God loves you. Listen to how complete this love is. Listen to how fully you're accepted. Listen how all the conditions to make you lovable have already been met. Uh, when we start making that our primary message and people start living loved, then they start loving God more. Their worship increases because they're like, I can't believe that God would continually, relentlessly forgive me for all that I do, for all the ways that I fail. I, I can't believe that. And when they, when they drink from the well of grace that Jesus offers us through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, when they start tapping into the good news of God's love for them, then they start loving God back and they start knowing how to love their neighbor, how to show. Mm. Only a person who's receiving grace knows how to give it away. And grace is favored for undeserving people. So, I mean, do you know any undeserving people in your life? Uh, Plenty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 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 How do you love them? Well, if you just tell me, well, go love that person. You might sort of externally try to pull off something that looks like you're being nice to them. But inside, you're like, dude, I can't wait for this person to get out of my life. (laughs) But when you understand that, that you are a completely undeserving person, and yet God graciously grants you favor and acceptance, that understanding starts giving you more than just sort of like a, an outward functional, my neighbor, and it, it starts turning into actual, no, I can love my neighbor because I know how God loves me. And and the fuel, the strength, the motivation for me to show that love to someone else, it, it doesn't come because I'm, just really good at loving God, loving others. It comes because I know God loves me. And this is what it feels like when God loves me. It feels like immunity. And it feels like uh, peace. And it feels like forgiveness. And so 
I can start acting that way to my brother uh, when he annoys the heck out of me or my coworker <laughs> or my classmate or whatever it is. I can start acting way, right. that way to them because I'm free to do it in Christ. I've got the tool, uh, which is Christ himself. So that to me is sort of like the, the cultural, the push culturally is everybody is, uh, I would use this analogy. I feel like everybody in the religious context in the South is sort of swimming upstream and mm. when you tap into the, the truth of the gospel, it's like God sends you this float and you just get the float downstream. <laughs> resting in what he's accomplished for you and life's a right. lot more enjoyable. Have you done tubing up in the north? It's fantastic. You just go up to right, those mountains right. and you just sit in there and you just relaxing and enjoying it. And that's the gift of God's grace and love. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times that that's me. I'm, I'm floating enjoying mm-hmm. God, trying to get others to float with me, but everybody all around mm-hmm. they're swimming, swimming as hard as they can. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's, that's a great like, hey, analogy. Man, you should get a float. You should get a float. Yeah. It's really relaxing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. That's awesome, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, uh, right here, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's up, peoples? Have you ever tried to read through the Bible? How far did you get? If you're like most people, you probably fell off the wagon somewhere around Leviticus or Numbers. What if you did something different for 2018? Join Bible Study Tips and The Bar Podcast in the 2018 Bible Reading Challenge. Read the Bible with other believers committed to reading one to two chapters a day, memorizing a verse each week, and growing in your faith. The challenge kicks off on January the 1st. Visit biblestudy.tips forward slash 2018 challenge and sign up today. All right, we're in here with uh, Pastor Tide, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Pastor Church Plant. And uh, man, we're already at the the tail end of this Tide and, and it's definitely been fun, definitely been insightful. Um, where I like to do here is what I call my bar signature questions. So I'm going to give you my bar signature questions. Then I'm going to give you a chance to uh, kind of close it out. Uh, and then we'll be out of here, man, because we only do 30 minutes at the bar. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. First bar signature question is what kind of music do you listen to when nobody's around? I, I like good music. So I, I have no, I can't land on a category. I, I listen to all kinds of things. I, I listen to things that my people that I listen to would be bluegrass. Uh, they might not like that, but it's got to be good, good bluegrass. <laughs> I can turn bluegrass off and say that's terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, I also, um, I like to study and listen to... <laughs> Eminem and see what he's saying. <laughs> That's interesting to me because yeah. I, I think a lot of time he's like a he's like a prophet uh, sometimes, <laughs> and it's sort of interesting to hear his his take. It, I'm not I am in no way endorsing uh, his his <laughs> his language or some of his subject, but I'm just saying I like good music. That's what I like. Got you. I got you. I can yeah. dig it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next signature question is: What book or books are you reading? 
Uh, I'm going to go for books that I recommend. I'll say what I wasn't able to say earlier, books about God's love uh, for us, Mm. uh, because I do read those quite often. One would be He Loves Me by Wayne Jacobson. It's a really easy read and a very helpful book. And then another one that uh, presents sort of like it it has another discussion about the major theme of the book is about grace uh, and how it contrasts with God's law. And it's called Grace in Practice by Paul Zoll. And you spell Zoll, Mm -hmm. C-A-H-L. But um, another amazing guy that I love that's sort of like off a lot of people's radar uh, who writes some really creative books, but really understands God's love and gospel well, uh, is a, a guy, his name is Robert Capon, C-A-P-O-N. Mm. And he writes some really good stuff. I would I would encourage those three authors to be people that I'm going back to these days more often than, than any other. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. My last uh, bar signature question is, what podcasts or sermons do you listen to? I have if any. a good number. Yeah, I have a good number, but the one that I, I listen to a lot is called Mocking Cast. Might be the mm-hmm. Mocking Cast. It's uh there's a online group you, if you go to mbird.com, that's the name of the organization is called Mockingbird. They mostly write journals. You can order their quarterly journals if you want, um, but they they post most of them online. You can just find them there. They do a couple of conferences a year, but they have that podcast. The Mocking Cast is just a variety of uh, preachers that, and and they're, the reason that I love them so much is because of the variety and the gospel centrality. So when you mm-hmm. tune in and listen to a mocking cast podcast, you know you're going to get a gospel-centered message. Uh, nice. So I would recommend listening to them. Cool, cool, good stuff, yeah. man. Good stuff. Great uh, recos and recommendations for sure. Um, right here, I'm gonna give you uh, just a, a few moments to uh, address the listeners. Um, this show actually should air this coming Tuesday. So, uh, you know, any announcements as far as anybody that may be listening locally, uh, you know, church hour, I mean, service hours, any special services, you can do that here. And then we'll close it out so I can go back to work. <laughs> yes, sir. Sounds good. Am I doing that now? Oh, I'm sorry. Do it now. Oh, okay. I'm, all right. Yeah. Uh, about the possibility of checking out our church, you could go to eastnorthchurch.com. Uh, we've got Christmas coming up. We're just going to do a normal Sunday morning deal uh, for Christmas Eve. And then uh, we're actually taking New Year's Eve off. We're just going to cancel church and tell everybody to have uh, extended time to be with their family and relax. And then we'll start the new year. January is going to kick off. We're talking about what it looks like to be a member and uh, yeah, if people are interested in that, I, I, I do a, the best that I can to help try to articulate what I think Jesus is calling us towards as a church. And uh, it'll be a, a good series to jump into at the beginning of the year. If folks are interested, we'd love to have them. Nice, nice. Man, Todd, I appreciate you uh, taking time out your schedule and uh, coming on the bar. Um, definitely enjoy it. Definitely enjoy our connection. We've 
we've uh, had lunch and, and, and talked and I've even visited the church. Uh, great place, great atmosphere. Uh, big shout out to you and uh, to Phil for uh, nagging me. Just kidding. I got, yeah. I got to stop messing with Phil. He always, he always messing with me. So I, 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 I always just, look at any opportunity I can to, me, you know. Me, you and Phil need to go out to dinner some, soon. That would be a fun night. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that, man. So, Phil, right. let's let's make it happen. But uh, right. anyway, man, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, to my listeners, appreciate you guys listening to the bar. Um, Christmas time is coming. Make sure y'all have my gift uh, and, and, and send it on to Greenville so I can have a Merry Christmas. Just kidding. But anyway, make sure you check out the website, thebarpodcast.com, uh, Facebook. I just search The Bar Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, The Bar underscore podcast. And make sure you also sign up for our email, uh, subscribe to our email list. Uh, subscribing to our email list will uh, give you insights on some uh, events and some announcements that don't make it to social media. And also you'll be the first to know about uh, certain things we got coming up in the year 2018 because it's going to be great. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. We out of here. God bless. What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get a invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there